All right, gang. Welcome to Uncivilized Unplugged. My, I am your host, Trevor Bohm. Let's uh, let's start as we always do. Feet flat on the floor. Eyes closed, unless you're driving. Let's take a moment and let the day begin to wash away. All of our troubles and stresses and challenges. Our stomachs relax just a little bit. And if you've listened to any of these before, you know where we're headed to that tiny flicker of a flame about two inches below your belly button. Put your attention down there. Find your center. Find the space where truth lies, where your power lives. The place you go to when you have to make a quick gut level decision. We even use the wording. Dwell in the house of truth that lives in your stomach. If you can't find it, imagine it. This place, this space, this availability for us to draw on all day, every day, all night, anytime. This place of power. Our power in the world. The extraordinary gifts that we as a human bring. The gifts that we can give to the world. Feel that power, put your hand on your stomach. Feel the warmth. Feel that running down your legs, up your spine, over your skull, and into your heart, where it finds a connection. Place your hand on your heart as well, your other hand. Notice the difference between the two areas. Sensitivity around your heart, softness. Heart sees the world and feels the world through a different lens than your stomach does. And the two work together, they are a dynamic duo. They are the primal and the divine the yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine. Feel the connection between the two. Feel what happens when they do connect, how each increases the potency of its partner. These areas are not at odds with each other. They're exponentially more powerful and more effective when they stand shoulder to shoulder, back to back, hand to hand. Feel that, all of that going on in you, inside of you. Slowly begin to let your hands fall back into your lap. Take a couple more deep breaths. Let go of anything that's going to keep you from being present the next 50 minutes or so. Wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes, roll your shoulders back and forth if you want. Crack your neck because that feels good. And then slowly at your pace, 
Begin to blink your eyes and come back into the room that you're in, into our room. Amazing. We had a couple of people hop on in the middle of that. Beautiful. All right, guys. So I posted a link in the chat, if you can find it. I'll tell you a little bit of a quick story. Um, this is from when I did the Boulder Outdoor Survival School on my Year to Live project. And it's a piece about forgiveness. On the very last day of, God, it was 28 days of living in the woods with a knife, a water bottle, a compass, and a blanket, and losing a shit ton of weight and getting frostbite and generally being moderately miserable, but yet also awesome. On the very last night of the course, uh, the group of us, about 10 people, we met in a parking lot with the instructors and they said, you have one more assignment. And we thought we were done, but this was at about eight o'clock at night. And they said, tonight at midnight, it is a full moon. And you guys now have to walk the 14 miles back into our camp. I'm like, oh shit, that's a long walk. Uh, and here was the kicker. They said, we want you to decide what you leave here in the woods and what you bring with you back to society. Who do you want to be as you re-enter society after this period of reclusion? I was like, oh man, that's intense. And so here I am walking down the the path about two hours in and the full moon is just shining, shining. It's brilliant moon. It's the middle of Utah in the desert. So the moon looked like something out of star Wars and granted I haven't eaten in a while and I've lost a lot of weight and I'm cold as fuck and, and I'm walking and keep looking over the shoulder and being like, I think the moon wants to talk to me. No drugs, just these things happen sometimes. And so I stopped and looked back and was like, fuck you want for me tell me just tell me what you want for me and i swear to god uh this is what came through was i was re-entering uh, um after a divorce and after a business separation and the moon showed me two different quick pictures one was a hundred percent forgiveness if i let go of all the perceived hurts and all of the perceived ways that i had been victimized through this process. That was right, and that was freedom. 0.01% resentment was to the left, and that was right back into the old life I've been living. Drinking too much, smoking too much dope, blaming other people. Not full expression. This side was this, was a movement, was speaking on stages, was writing books, was everything that I'd ever wanted. That side was hell. And I went, fuck, can I do anything else but forgive everybody and let go of this victim mentality? I'll like negotiate. Like, can I go 50-50? What if I work out a lot? Whatever it was. And nope, you're right or you're left. And so I remember doing it and walking through the, the desert yelling, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. To everybody, even to myself especially. And the last two hours of that walk, I swear to God, it felt like someone picked me up by the shoulders and carried me through. Not a, not a pain. The pain left my legs. The blisters left my feet. All the pain was gone. It was magical. And I tell you that because tonight we're going to touch on a couple of really, really interesting subjects, one of which is forgiveness. And the, the beauty of posting that article is that is also the first time someone publicly said, you are so full of shit, I hate your writing, and I think that you should go back in the woods and figure your life out. And I was like, okay, I can either practice what I preach here or write a well-worded response how this guy can go uh, fuck himself in the ear. But I didn't. So forgiveness is the theme tonight, or one of the themes. We've got a very interesting guest with a very varied background. For those of you who are new here, this is the Uncivilized Unplugged. My name is Traver Bohm. I'm the founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement, Man Uncivilized and the Uncivilized Nation. And my mission, and I hope you all have a mission, is to change the way one million men express their masculinity 
by combining and celebrating the primal. I love that shit. And mixing in consciousness and the divine. It feels like the current movement says, let's take the primal and get rid of it. I think the APA actually just came out with an article as to why we should do that. I disagree with it. Primal and the divine. The man we are speaking to tonight is a great mix of those two. I know this because I know him. We're going to talk a lot about law enforcement. We're going to talk about what do you do when bad things happen to you or happen around you that you're involved in? How do you alchemize pain, hardship, being angry, and turn it into something, a movement, an idea, a mission to help people stop killing themselves, stop hurting themselves, and stop causing damage in the society in which they live. So frame for the hour, just so we said it, just so everybody, including anybody who may be nervous in the camera, <laughs> just two dudes hanging out in the living room, letting a bunch of people watch a conversation. So the unplugged idea was to find the most interesting people that you probably never heard of. I stopped saying the most interesting people you never heard of because the guests were like, wait a minute, no one's ever heard of me. The most interesting people you've probably never heard of. So with that, please give a warm but quiet welcome to our guest tonight, Officer David Boyd. Welcome, brother. Thank you for, thank you for coming. Ooh, I think I muted you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't say anything. Sorry about that. I think your, your phone was going off during the meditation. <laughs> It was, so, I, was I, my my friend trying to get in the into the oh, meeting. Okay, I child locked you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How appropriate! <laughs> the opportunity to come on here tonight and the opportunity to spread the mission and spread the yeah. spread the word of forgiveness and holistic leadership. So definitely appreciate it. For those of you who don't know me, which is probably all of you, unless you found me on Instagram somehow. Uh, my name is David Boyd. I'm a career police officer. I'm a dad of two, a uh, husband of one. She's on the call right now listening in. Um, I had one practice marriage before this one, but we'll get to that here in just a little while. Mm. I spent four years in the Marine Corps on active duty um, as a crash fire rescue firefighter working at an airport just in case planes crash uh, overseas in Afghanistan. I ran a personal security detail for a high-ranking state, state department official. Mm. After that, I spent a year and a half as a 911 dispatcher or telecommunicator, whichever term you prefer, and then found my calling as a police officer uh, after spending some time behind the radio. And I've been a full-time police officer since January of 2011. Wow. I uh, worked in a large, large eastern North Carolina or large eastern uh, coast de department in central North Carolina for about six and a half years. And then moved to the suburbs where it's a little bit quieter. Um, and I've been with my current department for about two years. But I work full-time as a community outreach officer, and I'm on our, on our SWAT team. Uh, I'm a, a life coach or transformation coach. I'm also a CrossFit coach and a full-time college student. So I've got quite the, uh, the work going on. So if anybody out there is like, man, how do I do all of that kind of, you know, how do I fit more into my life? I'd be more than happy to talk to you about how to get more stuff in while still having a, a productive life. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should unmute your wife, let her chime <laughs> in and be like, actually, I'll tell you how you do it. <laughs> yeah, it's with wow. it's with a little support from that one too. She, yeah, uh, yeah, I imagine not a whole lot takes on a lot so that we can get the uh, the mission accomplished. Amen. What's uh, that's quite the resume, man. Do you do you sleep? Yes, sleep is super important, especially in uh, <laughs> because I because I do so much. If I didn't sleep, uh, I wouldn't yeah. be able to wouldn't be able to do what I do anywhere near as well as I do it. Yeah. Question for you then. Let's, I mean, you've got such a varied background and we were talking at the start of the call about most people don't know what you do. And, and so we're going to take first responder and drop that down just to your, your expertise of, of uh, law enforcement. Mm -hmm. What is it that we don't know that you do and why is that important? Honestly, the average person doesn't understand the obscurity of what we do. I think is probably the best way to put it. Okay. We handle so much and so much in society has been for lack of a better term dumped on law enforcement. Mm. Uh, 
you know, we're the counselor, we're the, um, the teacher, we're a coach, we're a mentor, mm. we're a disciplinarian, um, we're a psychotherapist sometimes. Um, mm. And you wrap all of that up and then you've got to add in the law enforcement part of it where we've got that duty to enforce the law. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the side most people see is the, oh, there's blue lights in my mirror and now I'm getting a ticket. Mm-hmm. But if you look at social media, you know, you, once a week or so, you see that like, oh, a cop did something awesome and yeah. let's, let's tweet about it or type about it for just a second and then let's go back to like, oh man, there's blue lights in my mirror and, you know, this is yeah. unfortunate for me again today. Mm. Um, what drew you to law enforcement? Like what, what was the like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I, I actually grew up never wanting to be the police okay. and my best friend who's on the call can attest to that. Cause he wanted, <laughs> he always wanted to be a cop. He's a cop too. And, um, and I always made fun of him for it. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. So, so surprisingly enough, I ended up in law enforcement. I think it's just karma working out. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent that year and a half in 911 and I was stuck listening to traumatic incidents happening. Oh, wow. When a woman calls you and she's hiding in the closet because she thinks somebody's broken into her house in the middle of the night, or I was on the phone, there was a really bad car crash, um, four car pileup on, on one of our interstates in the county. And I was on the phone with one of the guys. <clears throat> who was in the crash and was standing on the side of the road and it happened on a bridge over about an 80 foot drop off. Holy shit. That pile up got hit by another car going about 70 miles an hour. Oh, that wow. guy not knowing what was on the other side of that wall for the bridge, the 80 foot drop off jumped off the bridge while I'm on the phone with him. Um, oh wow. You hear the, you hear the splash, the phone go dead. Oh my God. I didn't find out until, you know, two or three hours later what had happened. Um, so those kinds of things and listening to officers who are crying for help on the other side of the radio, like in foot pursuits and in fights and not being able to do anything, but sit there behind the radio and hit, you know, hit some keys as officers are checking in route to make sure that they're in the computer system. So ultimately that was what drew me out of, the radio and out onto the road. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting there, especially a man with your background and get shit doneness and desire to get in there and get in the fight, having come out of the military and um, what I, you know, what I do know about you, man, that must've been a very frustrating time in your life. It was, um, I was very unhappy for, I mean, I was happy because I was being of service um, to people, but I was unhappy with the way in which I was, restricted on my level of service. You know, you answer, you answer 200, 300 phone calls in a day and mm. you're getting people help, but there's no, there was never any closure when you're take, when you're dealing with that many people's problems all day long. Yeah. So wow. It was very taxing emotionally. Yeah. I imagine, I imagine that is also another one of the answers to the question of what do we not know about what you do? Mm-hmm. I would love to get a, uh, get some blood work done on those people yeah. and just see like, what are your cortisol levels throughout the day? How are you handling this? Do you sleep? Do you eat? What are your relationships like? What's the divorce rate like for, for that? What are the alcoholism rates like for that? Um, let's well, talk. You said are understaffed like the state, the nationwide one centers are, you know, pretty, pretty low staffed. Um, and so they're, working overtime all the time and, you know, picking up extra shifts. And so they're not recovering the way they should be. There's, you know, there's, there's a whole plethora of other, in, you know, issues in that yeah. community as well as uh, the broader first responder community. Cause most people don't think about one operators when they think about first responders. Yeah, um, I didn't. But, but yeah. without, without them, none of the rest of us can, you know, come do what we do. Right. And we have to remember there's a human there. Mm-hmm that woke up, went to the bathroom, got something to eat, has a bunch of hopes, dreams, fears, and relationships and friends and challenges and health issues and goes and sits there and uh, divides the most important phone calls of our lives 
and gets them in the right place. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. And thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a little segue if we can into forgiveness. I know that's a piece here. Mm -hmm. And so that's been an elemental piece in your own personal journey. Is that correct? Yeah. So about that. So I mentioned the, the practice marriage. Uh, I've had one of those too, just so you know, high five. If you don't have a practice marriage, how do you know you're doing it right? You know? I think a couple of people on this call just went, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one of those. God bless their asses. Yeah. So, um, typical military sob story. You know, I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of details about that. But I, had, I was young in the Marine Corps. You know, when you're young, you're like, man, especially in the military, it's, man, I might go to war. And I might get killed. I need to check off all of these life boxes, mm. or, you know, life goals boxes before I go over there. You know, that's why so many Marines are, you know, so many people in the military are married young, have kids young, mm-hmm. uh, because you never know. And so like a, a young dumb Marine, I got married right out of high school, uh, proposed that graduation at Paris Island, mm-hmm. got married a few months later. And then, uh, I'll be honest, you know, I wasn't the greatest husband in the world. I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything about being a husband. It was just the thing to do. So I deployed to Afghanistan, um, came home, found out that she'd had an affair. We got separated. I got hurt um, during uh, playing sports and then during a training in, a training accident, which ultimately ended my military career. Um, okay. But the divorce was was bad. The divorce yeah. ultimately changed the direction of my life went entirely because I was planning to be a career Marine. So gotcha. I told myself, you know, real quick that I had moved on and forgiven and, you know, all was well in the world. But back there, you know, back in the lizard brain, if you will, there was still a lot of rage uh, pent up against my ex-wife. Yeah, and I told this myself- This was a unique experience too. There's, there's another element you said that about her cheating. Is that correct? I'm sorry? With who she was with? Yeah, so she had an affair with my uh, my best friend from the Marine Corps. Mm. We'll just slide that one into the story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. thanks for the uh, for picking that that mm-hmm. part up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, just... <laughs> um, <laughs> so during that, I lost my wife and I lost my best friend that was in the military with me. Um, so I spend ten years or nine and a half years or so saying, yeah, I forgive my, forgive my ex-wife. I forgive, forgive my ex-best friend. You know, life moves on. It is what it is. I got a fantastic wife. I got a fantastic set of kids now. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately best thing that ever happened to me. You just got to trust the process and that things are going to happen in the right way for you. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. So I ran into my ex-wife at Walmart one day of all places. We all know how wonderful Walmarts can be the nationwide. Um, <laughs> the great things Just that happen. X's yeah. together. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah, yeah. So during, during this time frame, um, my, my ex had also become a police officer and worked okay. in a town next to me. Um, she had then started dating. She would her and my ex best friend had separated. Um, then she started dating another one of my friends who worked at that police department that was next door to me. And so so that brought up a whole lot of feelings. Um, Yeah. That's probably an understatement. Yeah. (laughs) Seems to be a pattern in her life. Yeah. Yeah. So we ran into each other. I'd been, all those feelings had, you know, come out in some of my circles. I'd had some words with some friends and I wanted to apologize to both of them, you know, starting on this path of self-discovery and yeah. enlightenment, if you will. Um, and so I went to have that conversation and the conversation went much like it did when we were together. Um, and I realized in that moment that I had been harboring all of this pent up rage in my lizard brain for almost 10 years. Wow. Um, and I was in a very dark place, you know, Trevor, you and I, you and I started talking around that time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And that's also when I realized that I really, really had been lying to myself for a very long time. Mm. I had forgiven a guy who tried to kill me a couple of years earlier on the job, um, but I hadn't found it 
in my heart to forgive my ex-wife for, you know, for just changing my life, changing the course of my life. Hold that for a second. Let's, let's take a breath on that one. So you just threw something into the conversation. So you'd forgiven a guy who tried to kill you a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. Can you just elaborate a tiny bit on that one? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was on patrol one day uh, in a, an apartment complex and I thought I saw a guy walking down the street who had, I thought had warrants. So I pulled over to run that guy and I'm sitting there in my car typing on the computer and I look up across the street and I see a fight breaking out. Um, so I blue light, you know, go across the grass, go across the, the road in the median, pull up next to him, hop out. Um, and it's a guy hitting his, hitting a woman with another woman trying to break it up. Okay. And so I hop out, um, yell at him to break it up. He turns around, sees me get, that gives them the two women time to break off and start to run away. Okay. When he looks back, he realizes they're going and he starts coming towards me. Hmm. Um, he was, you know, I gave him, gave him commands to stop and you know, your typical police stuff, you know, you're under arrest, all that kind of stuff. Didn't make a difference. Hmm. Um, he came towards me and swung his right hand up towards my head. Um, I kind of did that rhino nose block mm-hmm. up against my head and ducked a little bit and his hand glanced off the top of my head. Um, and I felt my head get wet and I didn't know what that was about. Mm. Him and I, uh, did some fighting, some pushing. I used my baton on him a few times. Um, had no effect whatsoever. Is he on drugs? No, he was, he was, uh, experienced, uh, some mental issues and okay. alcohol use. Okay. Um, so I back up a few feet and with my baton out here at the ready, um, trying to give him commands. I look down and I see that his hands are dripping in blood Mm. Uh, and that he, that hand that he had just swung at me had a knife in it. Wow. That hand that had glanced off the top of my head had left all that blood and uh, narrowly missed stabbing me in the head. Wow. So ultimately we, uh, you know, I got some help there. He had, he had some things that were going on that day. Um, he made some statements that, you know, made me think that there was a heck of a lot more going on there than him wanting to try to kill me. Um, and it wasn't, wasn't about me in the moment. Um, he didn't really know. So I got some help there. He eventually decided to, to give up. We got him so in custody. You said you got some help. Other people came to help. Yeah, you. Other, other police officers arrived on scene and we were, we were able to get him into custody without any more incident. Okay. But he actually, prior to trying to stab me, he had stabbed his girlfriend several times in the neck. Mm. Um, and then came after me. Um, gotcha. So we got him some help and got him, got him some stitches, got his girlfriend treated. Um, and then he got transported to the jail and charged accordingly. Okay. So there so, was, yeah. How about you? What happened to you that day? So Did they come stitch you up. They take you to the hospital. No, thankfully I was just covered in blood from, him from his wound and from uh the the blood that came from his girlfriend oh i got you got I you thankfully i was uninjured that day okay. Beautiful. Um, but i had really good leadership looking out for me that day um people that i really looked up to who realized how distraught i was after that kind of incident um, say more about that you had really good leadership looking out for you what does that mean to us so i had I had leaders who knew me and knew what was baseline and what was normal behavior for me. Yeah. And they could tell right off the bat that I was not okay. And I was not in a good, good spot mm. uh, to keep going for the day. Cause okay. I, wasn't, I was, you know, I was a hair's hair away from, from shooting him. Cause we were in a standoff, you know, of course wouldn't submit. You're within 21 feet, correct? You're. Oh yeah, well within 21 feet. Yeah. Um, for those and for those of you who don't know, that's the 21 foot rule is a uh, kind of a standard. If you're within 21 feet of a suspect with a edged weapon, 
you won't be able to get your gun out and take a shot before they can get to you and hurt you with that edge weapon. So and for those um, of you that are curious about that, I remember running this practice when I worked for Gavin DeBecker and we were like, this is bullshit. I could totally get my gun out and shoot it. And <clears throat> we'd put unloaded guns in our holster and be like, okay, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. And literally by the time we got to here, we're getting tackled. Right. And that was knowing it was coming. I can't imagine it coming, you know, on the fly like that. Okay. So they took you off offline for the day. Yeah, and sent me home. Okay, um, I had a friend of mine drive me home that day. And is what's the f- aftercare for this? Is it like, hey, someone just tried to stab you in the head? Take the next two hours, get yourself sorted out. We'll see you tomorrow. Or is so it, it, like- it happened mid afternoon, and we worked twelve hour shifts. So I got, you know, I got sent home almost mid shift. Okay, uh, but I was also very lucky at the time. I worked in a police department that had a full time police psychologist. Mm. Her job was to talk to cops um and do counseling sessions so i had her at my disposal a few days later i was able to make an appointment and um go sit down and talk with her but that didn't change perception um of my actions within the department um both negative and positive surprisingly enough you, you know you get negative feedback from people when you don't take somebody's life and it's you, you know, when you're justified to, it's kind of a, a tragedy if you look at it that way. Um, so you were getting shit from other officers. You were getting shit from above. Like where did the heat no, come from? Like, a, 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 it was more like lateral. If we're thinking not chain of command wise, lateral, my level type stuff. Right. People the guys the like you should have shot him. Yeah. People like in the locker room, like, Oh yeah, you should have shot him. Or, you know, I would have shot him, you know, yeah. you had every, every reason to, why didn't you do it? And then, you know, these are your peers that right. are, judging you. Um, you know, I knew I did the right thing and my command knew, knew that I did the right thing. You know, I got an email from a major, which was the third highest rank in the police department saying, this was awesome. You did a phenomenal job. He'd been involved in an officer involved shooting mm-hmm. uh, in his career and was <clears throat> our senior use of force instructor mm-hmm. telling me what a phenomenal job I did and that these kinds of comments were going to come from other officers. Mm-hmm. He, he prepared me for that. So, but it still doesn't change the sting of the locker room banter. And the locker room second guessing. Can we ask the, f- the flavor of it? Is it like guys kind of Monday morning quarterback? Like, ah, I would have shot him. Or is it like, hey, you should have fucking shot him. What's wrong with you? Little mi- little mix of both. Okay. So this um, isn't just kind of poking at each other. Like, I would have, I would have. Yeah. Um, okay. And there's two, there's two very different mindsets that are going on in policing in the 21st century. You've got the guardian mindset right. on one side and then the warrior mindset on the other. And there's this, you know, constant back and forth between which one the police should be adopting. Um, and, you know, and I think that there's a place kind of like, you know, the primal and divine that we talk about with man uncivilized. There's a place for the warrior mindset and there's a place for the guardian mindset. And 95% of the time we should be operating in that guardian mindset. When we're talking warrior mindset, we're talking about chasing down the wolves we're talking about chasing down you know the drug dealers and the shooters and the people who are wreaking havoc in our communities um but that other that's five percent of what we do you know the other 95 percent, we should be serving protecting guarding guarding our communities definitely so it's really interesting to hear that you got flack from your own people for not taking someone's life Mm -hmm. right that's just i think that's an insight that most of us don't see and hear, but okay. So how did you work through the process? You said in a second ago that you had forgiven him, but hadn't forgiven your ex-wife. Can you walk us through a little bit of the process of forgiving him? Yeah. So I was obviously pretty pissed off for a while. Um, somebody had, you know, tried to, tried to kill me essentially. You don't try to stab somebody in the head without the intent to try to kill them. And just Um, context wise, were you married with kids at this point? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's much bigger deal even. Um, and then I was kind of left in the wind by the district attorney's office, which added to my anger issues around the incident. Um, it's for, for those who are in law enforcement, um, or in, you know, the, the law field, it's a pretty common thing that this happens, but I, at, at the suspect's first appearance, they pled him out. 
without even having talked to me. They, they reduced his charge, put him out, and he spent six months in jail for stabbing his girlfriend and stabbing, trying to stab me. So what does pled him out mean to people who don't understand the law? So they, took, they took his his charges, reduced them from felonies to misdemeanors, gave him six months active time. Oh, it's a misdemeanor to try to kill a cop. <clacht> it's kind of like drinking or peeing in public. Yeah. I think I might have gotten that. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, so, okay. So he, so that added, you know, I was already upset about the incident and then yeah. to have the district attorney's office do that three days after the incident without <sighs> even a phone call to me um, was pretty enraging. I kind of lost a little faith in the justice system at, when that happened. But um, so time heals all wounds. Um, time and contact. Yeah. I made work that beat um, where it happened. That was my primary, primary place to patrol. And so I saw his family and I saw his mom and dad and his brother and mm -hmm. sister and his, his girlfriend still. Um, and they got to tell me the other side of things that mm -hmm. led up to all of that, um, that happened that day and how I just happened to be the cop that was in that spot that day. And once I started putting those pieces together, I was like, you know, it was never about me. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was, you know, if it was the guy who rides the beat next to me who just happened to be there, he would have been in the same situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, he didn't hate Officer Boyd. He, you know, he just knew he didn't want to go to jail that day or he wanted to, in that moment, maybe he wanted to commit suicide by cop. Mm. Uh, I've never asked him that question. And I don't even know if he would know based on the mental state he was in. Yeah. But so all those conversations were had, follow up with the family, and that gave me more peace of mind and mm. less. And as I talked and as I got to know them more, less anger. Um, and ultimately a year later, I ran into him before he went on a Wendy's run um, or a McDonald's run at uh, late at night. It was like eight to 10 o'clock, somewhere in there. And we got, to have, we got to catch up and talk and tell each other, I'm sorry. Um, wow. Can I ask what the first sentence was when you saw him? Was it, hey man, remember you didn't try to kill me? Or was it him approaching you? What was the opener on that? Um, so I, just, I saw him coming out and I walked up to him and, mm. um, and his girlfriend and they, there was a, you know, we just, just kind of reconnected. It was, wasn't so, it wasn't as awkward as you would think. Yeah. Um, he changed his life a lot. Wow. And uh, so, and I can, I can respect any man that's willing to work hard and, uh, and put in the time and the effort to change who they are. That's, I mean, wow. that takes is pretty, yeah. up, pretty up there. So I imagine it's you, you get a feel for his humanity, mm -hmm. right? And then it's not just a guy trying to kill you, but it's a man who's got a, a girlfriend who's got some challenges who ran into you on a unique day. Yeah. And they, 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 had, another kid, or they had another kid on the way at this point. Oh, wow. You know, he had full-time job was a productive member of society. Awesome. Connect me then to let's circle back to running into your ex-wife in a Walmart. Mm -hmm. So how does what you felt and learned in that situation come into play with her or does it at that point? No, it really did. Um, I realized after that, when I started feeling this pain and anger again, that I needed to figure <clears throat> it out. I needed to go back you know, 10 years and I needed to, mm -hmm. to sort out all of this that I just tucked away and then said, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm, I'm a, Marine, a young Marine. I can handle this. This isn't a big deal. I just got back from Afghanistan. It's okay. Right. So I went back and I did, I did the work and I've, I felt the feelings uh, that had been waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And it was, <laughs> it and was they'll different. just sit there for 10 years, won't they? Like, oh, I totally do, man. Just yeah, anytime, motherfucker. <laughs> waiting for you to trip over it and then you know ruin your life all over again. <laughs> right, 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 right. And something that we we had talked about um, right. around this time frame is that I had looked at all of this through this lens of you know my ex wife had taken this from me and taken this you know that, and in reality I'd surrendered these things mm. willingly rather than her taking. Like I didn't. 
I didn't have a choice what she did, but I had a choice of how I reacted and how I interpreted and moved forward with my life. And I made the wrong choices in that moment. Let's just hold that thought so that maybe you could repeat that again, that when something happens to you or with you, that the other person is responsible for what they do. And then you get to, I get to respond how I want to. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people on this call or people that are listening who are, we've, it happens to all of us, right? It's the, Oh fuck, it happened to me or the bypass of it's okay. Everything happens for a reason. And the, the, what's missing is the choice of how do I want to interpret this? First, you got to go get your nose rubbed in the shit. You don't get to forget about that part. Okay, this just sucks for a while. What was the secondary, what was the, the second outcome for you? So the first was, holy shit, she took all this from me. What was the reframe? And how did that reframe, reframe your, your actions moving forward? So I realized that I wasn't... Um... I hadn't really been accepting the gifts that had been given me, the opportunities that had come into my life mm. and truly appreciating where I was. You know, I'd, I'd been married to my wife, my current wife for, you know, seven or no, eight or nine years at that point. Wow. Uh, and we, you know, we talked about it and all of that, but we'd never talked emotions and we'd never talked aftermath and all that kind of stuff. And we were able to have honest, open conversations about all those things. And we still have honest, open conversations now because about feelings and about incidents and tra trauma um, and all of those things that we were never talking about before. And most men wow. are not talking about. Wow. wow, wow. Let's transit. First of all, good for you. Thanks, bro. Right? Like that's not an easy conversation for any man to have period. And I don't want to negate anything because of your background, but your background was hyper-masculine the Marine Corps, the, you know, law enforcement, SWAT, MMA, uh, CrossFit. It wasn't the touchy feely. Like you didn't go do a lot of yoga with dudes no, no, no. in incense. Yeah. <laughs> Can you even touch your toes? It's a whole other conversation. But my, my, I went and did yoga a couple times with my wife and I'm like, God, this is the worst thing ever. Why <laughs> Why would anybody hold this lizard position for longer than six seconds at a time? This is stupid. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. It's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so first of all, let me commend you for, for, for doing that. And, and I want this to be the opener for guys that go, holy fuck, if this guy can do it, I can do it too. Because your community, tell me a little bit about not even just the statistics, but what is going on with first responders and suicide? Oh, it's, it's rampant brother. It's, yeah, it's terrible. More, more first responders commit suicide every year than are killed on the line of duty. That's fucking insane. And not only that, it's not even just the suicide statistics, but it's what we do to ourselves during our career that shortens our lives um, after retirement. Um, say, say more about that. So the, what was, what's at least taught in North Carolina during law enforcement training is that the average police officer dies five years after retirement. What's the average age of retirement? 55. So the average police officer is dead at 60. Mm -hmm. Wow. And because okay. of, because of the stress, because of the lack of, you know, taking care of ourselves and working rotating shifts and eating McDonald's and, right. you know, not, not working out and not dealing with any of our emotional baggage. You know, this, the amount of stress that, you know, your, your body can only handle so much of it before it's just like, no, I'm going to start shutting down. Yeah. I am. You know, I have a bad day and my mic doesn't work. <laughs> no one's ever tried to stab me in the head uh, as of yet. And I'm from just from the cops that I've talked to, this is like any given Wednesday. Right. And then you got to go home and be a husband and a father and a, a boyfriend and a, and a girlfriend and a wife and all the other. I'm just for you. How do you think having conversations like this, how do you think first responders, both male and female, well, let's center this, I would say primarily around men, 
who have less emotional intelligence. How does having conversations like this, or how do you foresee men opening up and, and engaging with their emotions in this way, men in your line of work, how do you see that changing the, the outcome? Honestly, I think it's, you know, it's one of our topics that we were going to talk about tonight, but I think a change yeah. of leadership uh, mentality. And I don't just mean that as in a, in a sense of chiefs and assistant chiefs and majors and captains and, you know, right. every person that pins on a badge, whether that's police, fire, EMS, every single person that does that every day is a leader in our community. Mm. The, and we have to start looking at ourselves individually as leaders and taking care of ourselves as leaders because mm -hmm. people, people look to us. When I'm out in public, people look to me mm -hmm. for whatever it is. You know, if somebody calls the police and I show up, I'm in charge when I get there. Right. I'm the leader. Yeah. Even if, I'm, if I've been out of the academy six minutes right. and I'm still on field training and I show up and I'm in charge at that scene, I'm the leader. Um, and so we need, to, we need to shift away from the traditional views of leadership um, where what we're looking at, and this isn't just policing or fire or EMS, this goes across all spectrums in the corporate world too. Traditional leadership looks at what can or is this individual doing for our company or agency department, um, and it looks at tasks and task mm. accomplishment versus individual character. Mm. Um, and that's not to say every police department or fire department or EMS, you know, or corporate world or, you know, corporate job does this, mm -hmm. but that is traditionally how we look at leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in order to develop this leadership, we need to switch over to the holistic leadership idea, um, which comes from knowing individuals character strengths and then using them in a manner to serve others. Yeah. Um, if you take care of yourself in the right way, mind, body, spirit, however you want to look at it. People are going to see that. They're going to follow what you're doing. And you're going to, you know, people are going to come to you for advice and people are going to look to you for guidance. Yeah. And you've got to, in order to do those kind of things, you need to have a deep understanding of, you know, what character traits you possess and in what ways you can use them. Mm. You know, coming from my background of, you know, Marine, coach, cop, firefighter, dispatcher, all of these things. I've always thought of myself as like, as a leader, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I would think that my leadership character trait would be pretty high up on that list. Um, I took a, a long survey, the values and action survey. If you're, if anybody's familiar with that, I took that a while back and it gives you a ranking of the 24, um, 24 character traits that are identified by positive psychology. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a, a, a ranking of each, each one. And leadership for me was like 15. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> There's no way. Um, like the 23 and me of leadership. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but when I went back and I dissected my, my top five, cause that's what I think is super important. Like these are the ways that we're go we're expressing ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Um, my top five was curiosity, fairness, forgiveness, love, and bravery. Wow. Uh, and Trevor, you know me. Yeah. Um, you can probably attest that those are pretty accurate top five character traits for me. Yeah. Even just your willingness to have this conversation, those are top five. This isn't, this isn't a normal cop conversation. No. No offense to law enforcement, but it's not. So it makes sense to me why you're spearheading an idea that I imagine isn't that popular of let's make emotionally intelligent police officers and first responders. Let's get men who wear badges and carry guns. Gosh, what a concept to also have an understanding of their own emotionality mm -hmm. and what they see on a daily basis and process that because dudes are really good at looking at statistics. They're not that good. Right. But then we're not good at going, Hmm, what do we do about it? How do we change? And it sounds like that's, you're the tip of the spear on that. Have you gotten kickback from this or negativity? No, honestly, uh, everybody I talked to about it has been pretty supportive. I mean, the, the thing is that there are people all over that are trying to do this. And there's a mm. psychologist, Dr. Gil Martin, he wrote a book called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement. And he, he travels the country and the world giving these sermons or, uh, 
giving classes about mm. how to survive this career. But wow, what an idea. Sitting in, sitting in a, a classroom for two hours or three hours and reading a book doesn't give you any practical skills. Right. You're not diving in and you're not, you know, unless somebody's holding you accountable to doing exercises and changing the way you eat, sleep, breathe, meditate, think every day, you know, it's just another book that's sitting on the shelf. Yeah. And I think that that changing the holistic leadership idea and more connectedness amongst all of us is like, man, that's, we could see those numbers go Mm. if we could just do that. Yeah. And the peripheral, the unintended consequences of that, right? Because every one of those people goes home to someone or most of them go home to someone. Most mm-hmm. of those people go home to kids. They go home to a spouse. They have neighbors, right? So it's not just, I think we need to look at that man or woman as the tip of an iceberg. And when you do get to change the tip of the iceberg, you'll change everything and everyone underneath it. It's, it's phenomenal, man. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, I, I know this is, it's groundbreaking, right? And, and it's not easy to be a leader, especially when it's not, I'm just going to be the g- most gung-hoist ever. I'm going to actually be holistic. I'm going to incorporate, you've done it, primal divine, masculine, feminine, everything we talked about in that meditation. So I asked Catherine Bosley this last week. It's a new question. Because there are people here who are listening who are kind of badasses, if someone listening to this could help you, what, what would you like to ask them for? If anyone listening to this is like, hey, I want to help this guy. What is it that we can do for you to help you? Get people talking or get cops and firefighters and EMS and dispatchers and vets. Get talking. Everybody knows somebody who fits into that category. Um, and most of, most of us are hurting in some way. Um, whether we know it or not, most of us have, have some trauma that's we've been experienced or we've experienced in our lives. Get, have a conversation with them. Um, if you don't want to have a conversation with them, you know, send them my email. Um, yeah. I've done that. Remember we had a guy call who said he was in trouble. It was, we got him right in touch with you. Mm-hmm. We, and that, I mean, that guy had, had seen some horrible, horrible things. Yeah. And, it never had any support. You know, it happened six months ago. And the first time he could openly cry in front of a, in front of another cop was when I got on the phone with him. And that's a powerful thing. Mm. Um, so if, if you know somebody like that or know somebody who needs help, I'm more than willing to talk. I'm more than willing to give advice. I'm more than willing. I've been in a lot of these situations through all the things that I've done in my life. Mm. Um, and I, I don't want anybody else to become part of the statistic. Mm. God bless you, brother. And thank you. Oh man, this is, it's juicy, right? Uh, we all know my best friend from high school, been a career cop, right? We all know someone who's in a first responder scenario, uh, for people listening. So tell us, how do we get more about you? How do we find more about you? Do you have anything going? I know you've got something going on too that I think really can help actively help as opposed to just get them in touch with me. No law enforcement guys listening, listen to this. What do you got going on? Um, so you guys can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's man underscore uncivilized underscore Dave. Um, and then my email is Dave at man And coming up, uh, I'm going to be hosting what we're, uh, what we're calling the man uncivilized basic Academy. It's going to be more, a more in-depth dive into um, holistic leadership and mm-hmm. self-development. Um, we're going to be talking about forgiveness and we're going to be talking about um, compassion. You know, some of those, uh, some of these other character stri- or character traits um, that we can develop. And on top of that, we're going to be talking about meditation and we're going to be talking, we're just going to be physical fitness requirements um, and some abstinence requirements from some, uh, some negative things that are probably impacting our decision-making on a day-to-day basis. Um, but I, I'm going to throw a link here in the chat for the intake form. Beautiful. And um, then read it out loud for people who are, uh, who are listening to this and we'll, I, we'll I, have to put it in the show notes. It's kind sure, of, uh, sure. kind of long and it's one of the, it's a Google doc. Form. Okay. We'll so, attach it another way. Yeah. If, before we wrap up, uh, and before I say a few things, 
how does forgiveness play into law enforcement and, and first responderhood? And, and for those of you listening who aren't first responders, take this and apply it. But how, how just this idea of forgiveness, because I don't hear a lot of conversations around, I mean, you use some really big words, compassion, forgiveness, kindness, like we're talking fucking law enforcement. We're talking like dudes. We're talking the dude dudes, right? Guys with guns and badges and, and biceps. How did that play in with you? And how would you see just the idea of forgiveness? Like how would that adopting that help law enforcement right now? I think that it means to me anyways, it means accepting people where they are. And I know that, you know, it's kind of corny and it's kind of a catchphrase to say that, but there's a lot of judgment in law enforcement of people's situations and not a lot of acceptance in of for who people are and what they bring to the world. It's, Oh, that guy's a criminal. Mm. So his opinion doesn't matter or her opinion doesn't matter. Mm. Um, being able to accept people in their situation, man, like there's got, there's, there's a gang member that I used to arrest regularly. I mean, like mm. I've arrested him seven or eight times. Mm. Uh, and like, I've had that guy in tears, like, we get to the Sally port of the jail and get him out. And I'm like, bro, what the heck, what are you doing? You've got kids, you know, why are you doing this? And five minutes into the conversation, he, he, you know, he's bawling like a baby. Um, mm. If we can do, do more of that, like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt anybody to have a conversation or try to have a conversation. And this, uh, this serve part, you know, that's where the, that's where forgiveness falls in is in the serve part. Yeah. Beautifully stated. I think for all of us that are in service, that forgiveness is the bridge between our own perceptions and, and the other person's humanity. And without that, uh, we're just going to see them through the lens of our own wounds and our own, our own anger, our own pain and our own story. So many beautiful nuggets here. Uh, I, you know, as when we were pitching this, I was like, it's going to be a talk about forgiveness from a place I don't think you're used to hearing it, which makes you all the more unique and all the more commendable for both coming on and just sharing stories that I can watch are difficult for you to share and a subject matter that's not common for two pretty fucking jack dudes to be talking about. So, um, Truly, uh, I'm really proud of you. Thank you, I mean man. That. I know what it's, I, I mean that. I hope you, you take that in, that uh, I've watched your journey. I've watched how you've grown, but more, more so just for the courage to stand up in front of people and say, this is who I am, this is what I'm going through, and if you take nothing else from this, you can learn from me. So bless you, man. I truly, truly am. Uh, my hat's off to you as, as a man. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you all for joining. Yeah, definitely. So for those of you who are listening, if you're interested in getting more information on the uncivilized movement, you can find me on Instagram at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M, or www.manuncivilized.com. The Unplugged happens on most Thursday nights when I'm not traveling. Uh, so we're going to actually take a couple weeks off here as I'm going to be on the road, but I'll let everybody know. I appreciate you all who come in live. Yes, sir. We did, we did have a, a question from Vanessa. We have a question? Uh-huh. Where is she? What's going on here? What on earth is, where are you, darling? Can I unmute you? Go for it. Hi. Can I unmute? I just wondered, um, I had a good friend of mine, my best friend, um, about five years ago, her husband committed suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a firefighter, had been injured on the job, tried to be a physical therapist after, and I just feel like, you know, he never, he never got back to a good place, clearly, and mm -hmm. left behind two kids mm. and so you know as someone that is an inspiration and someone that you know um, holds a high regard for himself and carries such great characteristics if you could offer something for children you know like I think about their son who's now 12 mm. you know as he transforms into his own young man you know can can there be some kind of help for someone that young so that he doesn't carry any of that of his dad's stuff, you know, forward. I, I don't know if that really goes in line with any of this, but I thought I'd ask. No, and it totally, it, it makes sense. Um, unfortunately, suicides do run in families sometimes. Um, 
I had uh, I had a good friend of mine that grew up that we grew up together and his dad committed suicide and he joined the Marine Corps got discharged because of a stomach issue at boot camp, came home and killed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's <clears throat> like that all over the place and I would hate for that. And that's something we can definitely, Trevor and I can definitely explore um, and talk about a little bit further about how we could try to do something. And David, I, I'm, um, oh, I'm not piece of, we're just getting one quick question. We could just reiterate, where do people find you? So it's man underscore uncivilized underscore Dave. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Or Dave at manuncivilized.com. Beautiful. All right, gang. For those of you that gave up your time, energy, and attention <clears throat> to join us, thank you so, so much. These are just getting more and more fascinating, these conversations. And uh, I know it's, it's direct your time. You're not listening to this while you're running or doing dishes or other stuff. So thank you on behalf of me, on behalf of Dave. These are the conversations I believe that are the solution. And these are the conversations that I want to keep having, even though they're difficult and they're challenging for everybody involved and they're confronting. But uh, I know when we sign in and there's a bunch of people up top, it's like, okay, this is important. We'll keep doing it. So I I truly appreciate all of your attention and, um, and your willingness to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night. Go be uncivilized. You fucking legends. Bye.